Hi, and welcome to the Fab Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Fab Channer, and this is a space where we will be keeping it real, fresh, and so fabulous. I'm so glad that you're here, so let's dive in. today's episode we have the one and only channer my sister channer too colleen is the legal name we have her joining us again welcome channer thank you i always as i mentioned to the audience channer is definitely going to be a regular guest uh both in this season season and upcoming season so i'm so happy for you, that you're joining us again Little C. Me too. I'm happy to be back. Thank you. So today we have you joining us on our Unlearn to Learn series. And as for anyone, if this is the first time you're joining the podcast, welcome, extra special welcome. Mm-hmm. But this series is again about exploring more about on the black experience. So I'm speaking to my friends, my family, professionals, influencers everyone um within the black community and sharing some experience um too because you know this is about unlearning to learn and that's what the name of the series is so indeed channer is back today we're going to dive into a specific topic within the black experience so uh yeah i guess i'll just open up with one question and that's for you my dear sister Mm -hmm. um malcolm x said that the most disrespected person in america is the black woman the most unprotected person in america is the black woman Mm -hmm. and the most neglected person in america is a black woman and that was many years ago so Mm -hmm. i think you both you and i can agree that while some things might have changed, that is a sentiment that still rings true in this country and across the border. Again, our country, if you're listening internationally, we are located in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I keep this open-ended. How have you seen this reflected? And I know that it's probably been reflected in many ways, Channer, but can you give some or can you share on some of the ways that this has been reflected in your life? Um, well, yes, obviously. Um, yeah, I can. Um, that's, it's a very, um, that's a very, very loaded statement. Um, but just like what you said, it certainly rings true. Um, and it's definitely, it resonates with me because it is, it's, it's how I have felt for a large portion of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's been, you know, either overt or covert, um, it's just been something that you've just kind of felt in the back of your mind, mm-hmm. you know, walking around, <clears throat> you know, not necessarily wearing it on, you know, like you wear your heart on your sleeve, not wearing mm-hmm. that whole I'm disrespected thing on your sleeve. Like, that's not how it is. You mm-hmm. just kind of feel that it's something that you you just live with and something yeah. that you kind of just feel um, because it's so unfortunately um, just like how prevalent. Uh, yeah, just like how systemic racism is ingrained in society, it's this is a part of systemic racism, um, systemic anti-black racism. Mm. Um, it's just kind of one of the things that that goes that goes along with it, unfortunately. Mm. So yes, um, definitely that I can definitely lend to 
you know, this conversation and saying that, yeah, that's something that I've experienced in my life. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate. And it's something that I still, you know, being 36 is something that I still deal with now. I think I'm far more, um, able to, um, you know, unload those feelings and deal with those feelings and not necessarily, you know, hold that over my life. I don't put that on myself. I don't live my life with that in the back of my mind and say, yes, this is how my life is going to be. And this is how I feel. And, mm. and I'm going to let that affect. That's not how, you know what I mean? Like I'm not living like a victim. Yeah. But with that said, I would also say that, you know, you said that it's not something that you wear on your sleeve as you wear your heart on your sleeve. And I agree, but I think on the, it's, it's important to also note that black women, and I'm not going to speak for all of us, but for me personally, and I'm sure you, sh- you share the same sentiment, Channer, is that we also don't want to wear it on our sleeves out of fear of being, t- of, you know, feeding the uh, stereotype of angry black woman. So exactly. as much as we yes. feel it, we don't even feel like we, and like you, I have felt this a good portion of my life as well, like a good portion. And even as, you know, an, you know, as a young black girl, so feeling the angry black woman rhetoric and the disrespect that black women receive as a child, feeling that because seeing it happen mm-hmm. to mom as well. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's important that, yeah, we definitely don't play the victim, but there's also something to be said. It's, it hasn't been very easy to speak about it because people will very quickly say, Oh, you're just being an angry black woman. And because people don't necessarily understand, I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's a topic that people that you can't really relate to unless you've lived it. Like you mm-hmm. really, really can't. I know there's women's issues, but there's also black women's issues. Mm-hmm. You know, that hashtag black girl problems, this kind of goes underneath that umbrella of hashtag black girl problems. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's certainly, you know, not easy being a woman, mm-hmm. you know, for certain reasons, you know, in society. And we've come such a far, far way, you know, for women's rights, women's lib, you know, feminism, stuff like that. But then being a black woman on top of that, it just mm-hmm. adds a whole other element to the mix that, you know, I think that's something that's been very much overlooked. Um, people don't really understand that. And just to kind of give some, you know, background about me, you know, I grew up in Ajax, Mm-hmm. Um, in the eighties, you know, early nineties, eighties, baby, nineties kid, um, very, you know, Ajax back then was predominantly white. Um, we went to a predominantly white school, mm-hmm. um, elementary and high school. Um, mm-hmm. however, in high school, there were far more, you know, cultures being integrated into high school towards like the later nineties, early two thousands, but still was... predominant, predominantly white. I'm like, still. not far more. I'm going to say like a solid 10%. Yeah, but still more so than our elementary school. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, Grew up in, you know, a very, very small family. It was just, you know, we call ourselves a tripod. It's just me, Mm -hmm. um, my sister, you, and and mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Three three black women. You know, we were raised by a very, very strong and independent and fierce black woman. Um, You know, mom was very, she was very proud of her culture. She did not try. Yeah, so she didn't try to you know, hide, you know, our Caribbean ancestry, our Caribbean culture. She was very, very proud to be black. And she, you know, she tried to instill that in us as well, you know, music, culture, food, um, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have a lot of family though up here. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot of relatives. Um, we had, yeah. So we had very, very small family. It was the three of us and, 
you know, some of, you know, mom's friends. And yeah, we were raised in an extremely multicultural setting, Mm -hmm. um, but we were raised around a lot of, if not predominantly, you know, white people. So Mm -hmm. as much as, you know, with mom working a lot and stuff like that, as much as she really did instill that pride um, of being, you know, uh, you know, a beautiful black woman, um, it was very, very difficult still Mm -hmm. going out into the world, going to school, going to church, going Mm -hmm. to the playground, going to anything Mm -hmm. and not being represented, always, always being the token black people, going Mm -hmm. to a funeral, going to a wedding, going anywhere, knowing that you can count the black people on your hand. And it pretty much would be one, two, three, me, you and mom. Yeah, that's, you know, living like that, always kind of feeling like the odd duck out, you know, the odd person out in your in your peer group, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of growing up, not feeling like you belonged. And, and then, you know, seeing, you know, beauty standards, like stuff like that, not really believing that, you know, I'm not really pretty, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't look like all the rest of these girls, you know, you know, little boys not wanting to talk to you, little girls not wanting to be your friend, because you can tell that that they don't grow up around other black people. They only see you at school, but if they go home, there's going to mm-hmm. be no other black faces there. So, you know, just having, having that, you know, trying to integrate yourself into this world. Um, so you're kind of riding the line. You have to integrate yourself into this world that is, is extremely whitewashed and white dominant. Mm-hmm. And then also coming home to a black household and trying to you know be proud of your culture and be yourself Mm -hmm. and and proud of your food and the music and all that and then having to put on another hat when you go Mm -hmm. to school when you go to the store when you go to like you know play sports and stuff like that it's just it Mm -hmm. it was it was very you know you have this kind of cultural identity thing where you're just kind of I don't want to say confused but you're just like you no but you are yeah you're caught between two worlds so whereas no one at home is telling you to be ashamed of who you are the world is Exactly. You go out into the world and every single thing that you're taught at home, the world is like, no, no, mm-hmm. you, you should be ashamed of who you are. So, and yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like we have to, cause we're now we're speaking about it as 30 something year old women. Mm-hmm. But you also have to remember from the perspective of, of a child, like, of course it's confusing. Um, and mom, I don't, it, this is not about mom, you know, being like, oh, mom, you should have chosen a place that was more, mm-hmm. you know, had more black people. Like, that's not what I understand. My mom picked Ajax. I get it. And I mm-hmm. completely, I would have probably made the same decision, but you know, now as an adult myself, I can also understand how challenging that was. Cause to your point, mom did not have a lot of family here. It was always just the three of us. There was no um male presence like black male presence because Mm -hmm. dad was never around Mm -hmm. so you know going to school and you know you see because we've all been to elementary school where you celebrate different cultures black culture was never celebrated until maybe high school yes um and in elementary school so i'm like oh okay like my mom tells me i'm this and you know we're raised in this home but then you go to school it's like nope and that's where that is where the code switching immediately happens and then Mm -hmm. you you when you think about zero to five like we are in that theta brain state from zero to five and i believe zero to ten as well or five to ten but we are absorbing everything. And that is like our foundational, that is like the foundations of building who we are. Mm -hmm. So you have that. So again, in Ontario, because, you know, with me living in Alberta as well, 
you know, we were in elementary school from grade one to eight. There was no split at six, like one to eight. So that's eight years, Mm -hmm. you know, with your peer group being socialized as to what accept, what is acceptable and what is not. And at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. being a black girl was not acceptable. Period. It it wasn't. Exactly. As a, again, as a 30, 30, uh, 30 something year old woman, I remember distinctly getting bullied mm-hmm. when I was on the, I always say the English side before I moved to the French side, distinctly getting bullied because I was black Yeah, and I was in grade one. Yeah. So what are you six yeah. years old? In mm-hmm. grade one? And I remember that, like, like I can remember that memory. I remember mm-hmm. when I wore everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I think we, that's like something we touched on in uh, the, I still can't breathe episode, the bullying mm-hmm. that we experience and the difference in treatment that we experience at the hands of, you know, the school administration and diff- certain children at the, at the school as well. Like it's something that we both experience. So yeah, while we're getting that love and that, you know, enforcement of, you know, pride and love from our mom at home, mm-hmm. you know, you go to school and that's how you treat it. It's just, you, like I said, it's two different worlds and which one is going to kind of win you over mm-hmm. wherever you spend most of your time, which, you know, your formative years, most of our formative years were spent in school. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really, it was, it was really tough. And I, I do distinctly remember, I don't think I mentioned this before. Um, we had one teacher, you and I both had her, I had her in mm-hmm. grade five, you had her in grade four, I believe. And I'll never forget when she, you know, and apparently she had done this with other you know, black students in the school, the very few Mm. black students in the school, but she pulled me aside one day and she, and I don't think it was just me, but she told me, she said, you know, like she, I remember I was one of her best students. And to that, at that point, I didn't think that I was a good student. I didn't think that I was intelligent. I didn't think that I was smart. I didn't think that I was really good at anything. I had never really been lifted up academically Mm -hmm. in school. I was labeled as a girl with an attitude, even though I was traumatized, but I was labeled as Mm -hmm. a girl with an attitude, all kinds of other things. So this was the first time a teacher actually was relating to me in a very, very positive light, but she was strict. I didn't Mm -hmm. know. I I just assumed she didn't like me, but no, she said, you know, I am harder on you. She's just like, you're one of the very few black students in the school. She's like, things are going to be harder for you than it is for these other students. And Mm -hmm. she basically told me, she's just like, you need to be better. You need to work harder. You need to be smarter in Mm -hmm. order for things to be good for you. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget her telling me that. And I, And it was the first time it was like that speech, but in the same speech, she was saying how, you know, I was so smart. I was so bright. I was one of her best students and she wanted, she wanted me to be successful. And these were the tools that she was, you know, telling me in order to be successful. And she was a black teacher. She was the only black teacher in that school. And she was the only teacher that's ever had a conversation about that with me in my entire schooling, like from K to OAC, I had never ever had a teacher pull me to the side. OAC PS is grade 13. That no longer exists. But yeah, yes, she was the only teacher that ever had that type of conversation with me. And it was the first time. And that's when you if you remember, that's when I really started to flourish in school. Mm-hmm. That's when I really started to do, you know, do better. I was good at sports. I started to do much better academically. And it honestly, all it takes is someone to believe in you. But yeah, but you just didn't get that. You didn't get that encouragement. You got you got the bullying from the students and from the teachers, but yeah. you didn't get any of that encouragement. So um, it was, you know, that was a really, really important turning point for me in my life. But yeah, just growing up, you know, dealing with these types of feelings, 
Um, and it's sad that it started at such a young age, but even in terms of, you know, liking boys or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, I remember being younger and having crushes on certain guys and, you know, people would make fun of them because I like them. It would be mm-hmm. cool if the, if the pretty little white girl would have a crush on them, that would be okay. Yeah. But me, I, I distinctly remember someone or someone saying, oh, I, I think I like Colleen and they got made fun of. Yeah because mm-hmm. it, it was so funny and they were just like ew ew yeah. gross and it's not yeah. like it's you know what i mean it's not like i was like this like i hate to say this it's not like i was like this like like i looked awful and i was just mm-hmm. like you know what i mean like i was mm-hmm. a nice girl i was good at sports all of those things but the prospect of someone having a crush on a little black girl ew but then they'd be like oh yeah i like such and such oh yeah she's so hot really mm-hmm. she's and what's crazy so again like when i think back to it i kind of giggle but it's also again it adds to the narrative of the disrespect that we experience from such a young age because again this the system and i always make this very clear the system of whiteness and i know that you and i have shared stories about this it affects not just white people right so mm-hmm. like because the few and i mean few um black boys that were at the school because they weren't in my grade uh, like we had a few. I uh, know I had two. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, with us being in the French class, like we we followed each other all the way up to grade eight. But the few that were there, it was for them. It was bad for them to pick the black girls. Too. Oh yeah. Oh, they would so, never. They would never. And I know that we're because I had a crush eight. on one of them. And, and again, like <laughs> that would you, never happen. When you think about again, like we're talking about us being like thirteen max. But again, mm-hmm. like when you're in elementary school going out with a boy is such a big deal. I remember, I remember just basically settling and being like, I know that no boy is not going to like me. So I might as well just be like a friend because I didn't, I didn't even bother. I was like, I'm tired of being made fun of and like targeted. And I do not like the pain of rejection is so, especially like if we think back to puberty, Mm -hmm. not to say that doesn't affect us now, it hurts. And I'm like, I am tired. And I was like, and I still am, you know, the <laughs> world's best matchmaker. I would, I, cause I'm like, I'm going to live vicariously through my friends. Cause like, you know, I love love, but I just was like, I'm not even going to try because, and that followed me through till high school. My first boyfriend, like real boyfriend, a guy that was proud enough to say that Christine is my girlfriend. I was 19 and that's mm-hmm. no, like, People are like, what do you mean? I'm like, no boyfriend status. I liked one guy in high school mm-hmm. for five years and it was a waste of my life. Ugh. But on, <laughs> but again, it was always, and again, am I upset with my guy friends? It's not that, but it's just, it's such a mental, like, it. it's so confusing because you're going through, so you've spent eight years in elementary school thinking this, and now you get to high school and you think, okay, high school's going to be so mature and so different. Mm-hmm. And it just continues. And you just keep on thinking, when is this going to end? Will it end? Yeah. And when I think about now with us being in our thirties and a lot of it hasn't changed. Like now we're a, like, a, things are starting to change a little bit. And, and when I mean change, like discussions like these are happening more and more. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take some time because what people need to understand is that, again, as Chandler has said, we grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. And we're going to talk about this after the break a little bit. And we'll talk about this in future episodes because I know it's a long, long, long 
um, taught, like it's a long story for both of us, but mm-hmm. when we were dating, so my first boyfriend was a white guy. I was attracted to white guys. And of course for me, and I will not speak for you, Chandler, you have your own story, but of course I'm going to be attracted to white guys. I grew up only seeing like my, predominantly seeing white. That's guys. how you were socialized. The black yeah. boys absolutely did not. And again, I mean, two of them, did not want anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that the white guys did either, but I was attracted to them. And then, so when I would date a white guy, you get, you get the comments, the stares, the racial slurs dating a white guy. But then Mm -hmm. of course, if you're dating some of your color, you still get the same racial slurs. So it's like a lose, lose situation because Mm -hmm. when I was with white men, people would literally not just look at me and, and like, you could feel it in their looks, but also in what they would say, it's like, Oh, you're with her. As if I am the worst choice. Like they would just look in. And judgment. let's not pretend like your first boyfriend was anything to write home to mom about. No offense. I was trying. He not was a to nice guy. There. No, but he was a nice guy. <laughs> but know. the fact that people would think that he was dating down for dating you when really, uh, no. That was the other way around. And it's not to say that you're better than him or anything, Mm -hmm. but in terms of the type of young woman you were and the things that you've accomplished in life and all of those things, Mm -hmm. he, anyone would be proud. Any parent worth their salt would be proud that their little boy or their, their son Mm -hmm. would be dating someone like you. Anyone would be proud. Thanks, uh, like, like you're, you know what I mean? Like anyone would be proud of that, but simply because you are a black female, mm-hmm. oh my God, how could he do this? Why would he date you? And I'm just like, wow. I'm like, so you can't be a prize. All they see is the black girl. And then they see a pauper. Exactly. And, 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 they, and immediately they're just like, oh, well, that's, that's awful. And it's just, it's so, it's so disgusting that, that people's brains are, are wired like that it's the same thing with the standards of beauty beauty us mm-hmm. never or i won't speak for you but for myself never believing that i was pretty or pretty enough just like yeah. how you said never even tried to date anyone i never tried to date anyone because i knew i knew mm. that i was never going to be perceived as the beautiful one or the pretty one or the mm-hmm. I, I was popular because i was good at sports and i was friends with a lot of the guys but that that's it there would never ever be any line crossing, nothing like that. And when it was hinted that someone might might have had a crush on me, they were made fun of because how mm. could you have a crush on her? Go, mm. why, why don't you why don't you have a crush on one of these other girls that 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 were white? Well, why don't you yeah. have a crush on one of these other girls? But but not her. And this was a theme that started like I remember the first time that happened, it was in church. Someone mm. had a crush on me and they got, they got yep. teased. teased I, I was there. Exactly. They were teased mercilessly. And this stuff happened throughout elementary school and then even into high school. And then I just, yeah. I just gave up and people were like, Oh, Oh, you know, like, why don't you, or they, the best would be like, Oh, well you're black and he's black. Why don't you guys date? Oh God. I, girl- well, it's a match made in heaven. I don't know anything <laughs> about him. <laughs> He doesn't know anything about me, but we're both black, so we should date. We're the two token black people uh, in the school. If you're not dating, remember the joke in high school? If you're not dating, then they're your cousin, because that is literally what people thought. It's like, or do you I would know get him? it all the yeah. time. Do you or it could him? be like a, like a new black guy coming to the school, like transferred in from like Northside. They'll be like, oh, well, you should date him. Are you for real right like, now? Do you even know him? Do you know oh, anything about him? Do you know God. if we're even compatible? Oh, I guess oh, we're both black, so we should date. Like, it's just... 100%. But that's so Chara, ridiculous. That also comes from, like, when you think about breeding, 
like actual breeding from slavery. Like these, this is the thing. These thoughts are not new. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is so deeply ingrained and indoctrinated. People, I people are doing things they don't even realize what the, the like how deep this is. No, they like, don't. These, these thoughts aren't coming out of nowhere. And when you're talking about me dating, so when we think about exchange theory with with sociology, mm-hmm. usually with exchange theory, women tend to marry up in status with their men. You mm-hmm. know, in age, age, yeah. And and again, that's classic exchange theory. Well, I had it backwards because again, my self esteem was so non existent. I'm like, and you know this. And you and Mind you, girl. and mom have talked to me about this, like in my dating days, I typically, I didn't date often. And so I was serial monogamous and I usually was with people. And again, this is no shade to them, but usually people that were of, you know, lower education. Um, I would always say, I'm not going for looks. I'm more going towards their heart. And while that is still true, I, wouldn't necessarily be fully attracted to them physically, but I would settle because I'm like, at least they'll stay with me. At least I'll be good enough for this person. So I flipped exchange theory because I'm like, and I would say all the time, like the guys at the club or like the people that would be like, Oh, you're cute and stuff like that. I'm like, absolutely not because Mm -hmm. I was protecting myself. I'm like, I know you're just going to, and I know that people are like, well, that just happens to women. Like you have to understand. Yeah, that happens to women, but it is a whole different ball game with black women. Like Mm -hmm. what is going through our mind? Like the anxiety that I would feel going not even before dating anxiety. And I, we touched on this and I still can't breathe going to my white friend's house and mom houses. Like, so mom didn't allow us to go to a lot of people's houses, Mm -hmm. but when I would be meeting um, parents for the first time, um, especially as I got older, the anxiety I would feel because I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh God, are they going to be racist? What are their parents going to think? What are their parents going to say? Are are they going to be rude to me? Am Mm -hmm. I going to be, am I going to be welcomed? Yeah. Like, and, and you can feel it right away. And, and if I'm honest, I still prepare for that. Like I live in Alberta, let's be honest. Yeah. You don't know how people are going to react to you. And that's the thing. So like when I'm meeting, like, so now as an adult, it's not all like, I'm very lucky. I get to meet a lot of my friends, parents, but like for, for people that I'm meeting sometimes like, Oh, I'm going to meet their spouse. And I'm like, Oh God, like, I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen here. So it's something that I still think about because I know how society has viewed us and treated us when I say mm-hmm. us black women for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that is done. And it's something that is done without anyone being held accountable mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. challenged. Is this something that you do? And it's interesting because uh, you know, I have friends from multiple races and I just, I remember having distinct conversations with, you know, certain girls are just like, I just, I don't get that. Like, I don't know what you mean. Like, how come, like how I don't understand, you know, the self-esteem thing and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm like, do you understand that we live in a world where standards of beauty and you as a woman, as a person, you are viewed as the gold standard. Yeah. You're the goal. You exactly. You are the goal. You are, you have been put on this pedestal you are what we all want to be. We want to based be on what you look like. Ba- exactly. Based on not, not based on who you are on education, character, nope. on anything like that, based on simply how you look. This is what in North America, that is the goal. I'm like me. 
I am not the goal. I am so far from it. I remember mm-hmm. specifically one time we were in grade nine in homeroom and uh, we were reading through this, like, they, they were filing, like rifling through like this fashion magazine. And there was a model who was very, very, very dark skin, like this beautiful, shiny, like onyx dark skin. And I remember like one of the guys, he's just like, ew, oh my God, she's so black. Mm-hmm. And I just mm. remember looking at him and he said it like there was nothing wrong with it. Like he was just like, oh, he's just like, that's gross. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I just remember being, of course, I didn't say anything to him. I'm 14. And, I, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, like, I, I, I guess, yeah, I guess that is gross. Like she, like, there's no, I guess that's not pretty because like, here's this white guy and, you know, this is what he thinks. So I guess, you know what I mean? And I mm-hmm. didn't know what the hell to say to that. I was just like, oh my God, like. And it it was so insulting. I'm just like, you. and then the next page you see this, you know, this white model with blonde hair and blue eyes, same body shape, same everything, but her skin is alabaster. She has blue eyes and blonde hair. And that is beautiful. And oh. I was like, wow. Okay. I'm like, so this is, I'm like, so I'm like, I guess this is how I'm viewed. I'm like, I'm gross. I'm not beautiful. And I'm not the be, prize. And to be clear, this is not a discussion. And I say as much as I don't, like necessarily want to or need to say it. I'm going to say it anyways. This is not about us saying, oh, the white girls are ugly. And I'm no. saying that because some people, because again, some people get on defense. I'm like, oh, this is just about dragging. No, this is like, why can't we both be beautiful? Why can't standards of beauty, and not just both, why can't we all be beautiful? Mm-hmm. And it, that might sound cliche and cheesy, but look around. No, but it's, look it's at, really... Look at, look at TV, like, let's mm-hmm. go back to TV and media of the 90s it's starting to get a little bit bit better with the diversity that we see in netflix and that was before the black lives matter movement mm-hmm. i remember there was an interview with shonda rhimes where she's just like if netflix was kind of in around when scandal and Grays and all of them started like she probably would be on that platform just because there's a lot more freedom and she can because there's limitations that even when we've made it Mm-hmm. We still have restrictions on, on mm-hmm. how we can conduct ourselves. But when we and, talk about representation, this is what we mean. It is so yeah. hard growing up in a world where you don't see anyone black women portrayed as being successful or beautiful. And mm-hmm. as much as you might get that at home, it's, it's so hard when you go out into the world and you try to keep your head, your head held high and every other person is, is, is literally there to let you know that you're you're not you're not it you're not it and if you no. say something about it you, you're being angry you're being angry or you have you have attitude, attitude or you're rude or you're this and that i was talking to this one girl um who works with me at the airline and she is married to a black man oh. and uh, it oh. was it was it was interesting that she felt comfortable enough to have this conversation with me. But she said to me, she's just like, yeah, well, my husband, you know, cause I was telling her, you know, she asked me what kinds of guys that I date. I'm like, you know what? I'll date everyone. I'm like, I have dated a lot of white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's not like I'm not attracted to black men. That's not it at all. I'm like, I just find, you know, sometimes, you know, like I'll try to date black men, but sometimes black men, it seems like they're not attracted to me. So I said to her, you know, I was talking to her about this and she said, well, yeah, um, well, my husband, he doesn't like black women. And, you know, and I was like, oh, uh, why is that? He's just like, well, you know, he just, you know, he thinks that they're just, they're just really loud and, you know, they have a lot of attitude and, you know, he just doesn't like, you know, all the weaves and like stuff like that. And and she said that to me and I was like, you know that I'm a black woman, right? Like we're talking Mm -hmm. face to face right now. 
and you are very comfortable saying this, like literally dragging down black women. And this is, you are quoting your husband who is black. Mm-hmm. And it made me so disheartened to hear that this is what a black man thinks of a black woman. Mm. And he has now lifted you up and said, this is the standard that I want. And I cannot find that in a black woman. He doesn't like black women because of all of these things. So this is what he's married. And I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with her. She's a beautiful girl. She's really nice. But I was Mm. like, wow. I'm like, so I'm like, of course, people are going to think that about black women. If black men also think that about black women. Mm -hmm. It was such a discouraging moment for me. I was just like, wow. Okay. So I'm like, so everyone thinks this about me, not just white, white men or when who aren't black, but black men think this too. I'm like, cool. And again, not all black men, but again, that just goes back to the point of when we are living white supremacist systems and, you know, we've talked about whiteness, it's going to affect a lot of people. And you had said something at the beginning of the conversation when you're like, you know, you decide which side you basically is going to win like if it's like the black side like when we're being raised versus the white side and i honestly Mm -hmm. feel like it's the side in which we adapt to to survive Mm -hmm. um but without again trying not to sell out to our roots and then feeling because again the fact like earlier like you know you feel like you have to justify and you do it i hear you say it a lot and i get it channer but you always feel like you have to justify your personal decisions of who you have to date. Well, as and- a black woman, there is a very, 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 very strong double standard. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, you and I both saw there were a lot of black guys that dated girls who were white or girls who were not black. And it was never really discussed. It was just mm-hmm. something may- maybe within their relationships, things would happen, but no one would say anything to them overtly. Mm-hmm. For me, I remember I was talking to a friend at Mm -hmm. a bar. I was talking to a friend. Him and I were not dating. I was talking to a friend who happened to be white at a bar. And I had some guy say to me, oh, do I have to bleach my skin to talk to you? Oh my. And and this is where the gaslighting comes in. So like we are damned if we do, damned if we don't. Damned if you don't. Exactly. And And it's like, like, so we just live on solo island because again, it's like, I have to justify if I choose to date outside my race. Mm-hmm. and but mm-hmm. when I try and get and again I, I'm speaking very specifically to my situation and you're speaking to yours but I know that this is a situation for many people like in the United States like a, a black woman dating especially a white man is so frowned upon a lot of people are like how dare you do that like know your role know your place and then people start talking about yes are you going to face issues if you are a person of color dating, period, yes, in this mm-hmm. world you're going to. Mm-hmm. So as I said before, if you're dating someone who is another person of color and you're a person of color, you're going to get, you're going to, people are going to say stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're dating someone, again, you hear things like, oh, you shouldn't mix, uh, mix races and da, 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 da. Uh, fun fact, we're all of mixed race. But yes. <laughs> that's a whole other discussion. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's just incredibly, like the double standard you have, hit the nail on the head because that is something you know now it's frustrating it's It's frustrating because because i found in high school because we you know we learned to assimilate with both different crowds of people sometimes i felt like i was not black enough for some of the black guys and they wouldn't want to talk to me i was oh you're stush or you're whitewash or you think that you're white and then the white guys wouldn't talk to me either so i'm just like well who am i gonna talk to 
I'm yeah, like, no, one, even, no even one that, wants to talk to me. I'm just like, I don't understand what yeah. I need to do here in order to be relatable because apparently, and it's interesting because a lot of these kids, they grew up in the same type of environment as us. However, it's almost like, you know, you felt like you needed to be quote unquote extra black in order oh. to, to, um, to be supportive of, you know, of your blackness. The black uh, exactly. And I'm just like, well, what does that mean? So because I'm an academic, because I have friends who are not just black, because I get good grades, because I do all of these things, because mm -hmm. I'm not sitting playing dominoes with you at the top of the cafeteria and doing all this stuff because I choose to go, go on student council. And because I choose to do all these things, that means that I'm whitewashed and that mm -hmm. I think I'm white and all these things. I'm like to you. And it's sad that, the black community has also been whitewashed into thinking that mm -hmm. black black stereotypes are what black people are. And yeah. it's so awful. I'm like, these are high school aged kids and they think the only way that they can portray themselves is to behave in this way. And if I'm mm -hmm. not doing that, that means that I'm a sellout. sellout. I'm a sellout and that I'm whitewashed. And I'm, and I'm just like, no, I'm like, you can be black and be a, a range of other things. I'm like, the way that I behave, the things that I do with my life, doesn't make me any less black than you. And it's just, it's so sad that there has to be this division where you can't just live your life and be who you want. You have to go to all of these extremes to prove how black you are. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. that's, that's ridiculous. And that's mm -hmm. why like, it's like, I've never really felt like I fitted on that side and I never yeah. really fit, felt like I fit in on the other side either. So I always felt very much kind of like I stood out. So, and then when you have your peer, your peer groups, and if you have like a peer group that's predominantly white, you definitely feel like you stand out. You feel like uh, you're trying, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're the funny black friend. You're not the no, pretty one. No, Tanner, you're forgetting. You're the funny one. You're the one that can dance. You're the one that all the guys want to dance on. And it's, it's literally exhausting. And to your point of, cause you know that I experienced the same situations. Like there were situations and incidents where, people would try and come for me and be like, Oh, you're selling out. You don't want to be black. And again, because we pursued our academics and we're involved in men. And it wasn't that we were just um, affiliating with the white crowd. You and I affiliated with everybody. Yes. I talked to everyone, like literally everyone. And the fact that we, for them, you, you've pointed out something that's so important to just like expand on a bit. Like, the fact that black people are believing the stereotypes. Yes. So you believe that if I speak in a certain way and I pursue academics and I'm not always playing, you know, the music or dominoes in that part of the path every day in and out, then that makes me sell out to my people. Mm -hmm. And just think about how damaging that is. Mm -hmm. And this is where I tell people like, this is, this is such an issue. This is such a tightly woven issue. And we are yeah. just taking it one strand of thread at a time. And I think for you and I, one of the reasons why we didn't necessarily assimilate or, or we didn't appropriate to that, those types of behaviors was because being young black children growing up in Durham region with policing and things mm -hmm. like that, you know, our mom was very, very um, concerned about, you know, how we would be perceived as young black children. She didn't want mm -hmm. us to be labeled as kids with attitude or anything like that in the school. She worked in the school board and she knew mm -hmm. how racist things were in the school board. So 
She wanted us to behave in a certain way. She wanted us to act in a certain way. We were raised in a very strict Christian home. There were certain things that she wanted us to do in order for us to be successful in life. And she knew that certain stereotypes that we would prescribe to would, would hinder our success. So yep. yes, yes. Does it mean that we thought that we were better than people? No, my mom, our mom just wanted us. She wanted better for us. Yep. So because of that, there were certain things that she wanted us to do and certain things that she didn't want us to do. And I think every single black household has had that conversation with their kids. Don't mm -hmm. do this, do that. Don't do this, do, do that. You don't want people to, to be viewing you in a certain light. If you want to do this, you need to do that. Like every single you know, black parent has had that conversation with their young boy or their young girl about things that they should and should not be doing in order to be successful in this world. And it sucks that it's a conversation that has to be had. Mm -hmm. And that other people might not have to, but it's just, it's just a reality of being black in North America. You have to have that conversation mm -hmm. to, to protect your children. And it, it just, it, like I said, it sucks that those conversations has have to be had, but it, it is, it's a survival, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's really frustrating. Now we're almost out of time, but I wanted to wrap up with this sentiment so i had shared this on social media godfrey who is a um actor um or a comedian story spoke to the treatment of black women in a recent twitter post saying black women get the most disrespected out of everyone in the business and again this is just a small part of his statement uh black women get the most disrespected of everyone in the business and they are often the most supportive of everyone in the in industry especially black men and mm -hmm. i want people to think about that and I, I want us to kind of pause and end there simply because that opens up the dialogue that i know you and i want to talk about. we didn't get time to talk about today but expand more on the dating and that whole world like dating as a black woman um, but I can definitely attest, and I know you can as well, even mm -hmm. when we're the last to be chosen, we are always like, we're, when it comes we're to- We're the cheerleader. We're the absolutely, cheerleader. We yeah. are the ones holding up the family. We are the ones that are um, organizing the peaceful protests. We are the ones standing by our men, um, black men and our peer group. So mm -hmm. that's something that I want the audience to reflect on and definitely yeah. encourage the audience- you know, if it's other black women that have stories, I definitely encourage you guys to submit your experience, your questions, your mm -hmm. feedback, because we are, as I've said many times before on previous episodes, we are, and I just said it, like, this is a tightly woven ball. So we're taking mm -hmm. one thread at a time. Um, yeah. But, but everyone... like to touch on what you just said, it's, it's very true. It's very, very true how, how that is definitely you know, unfortunately, the misrepresentation of Black women were perceived as, you know, aggressive, hypersexualized, um, rude, attitude-ish, um, all of those things, but never as, you know, the person that's holding up the family, that's encouraging doing those things. And it's interesting, I was reading an article, and I can relate to this so much, because you know that, you know, dating um, is something that I really struggle with. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just me that feels this way. And I was reading an article basically that said, you know, I just settled as a black woman. I settled for the stats that I would never be married mm -hmm. because that's what the stats show. Mm -hmm. That's literally the stats show like 35% of black women, 25 and older have never been married. Mm -hmm. And they're so, and when you look at online dating stats and stuff like that, in terms of who's the least desirable, Black women, least desirable, less chosen, like least desirable. 
in terms of relationships, sex, I'm not saying that. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, cause in my experience, yeah, there's tons of men that will want to have sex with you. 100%. Mm-hmm. Can you twerk? Can you back it up? Do you mm. talk? How do you talk in the bedroom? Can you talk ghetto to me in the bedroom? Can you do this? Can you do that? They want to do that. They don't view you as a woman with mm. a heart, with emotions, with mm-hmm. feelings. They don't view you as someone that needs to be protected or someone that's delicate. They view you as a sexual object mm-hmm. that they want to basically get their freak on. They want a, or someone told me um, once, how this one guy said to them, oh, I want a black girl in the sheets and a white girl in the streets. Jesus, oh my God. Okay, yeah. So stuff like that. (sighs) I wonder where they got that one from. Oh, my God. But dealing with those types of stats and those types of images, those negative imagery of black Mm. women, of course, black women are going to think that they're less than because that is literally how the world has viewed us. And honestly... Mm one of the biggest proponents for that is the media. The media's portrayal of black women has been oh my absolutely God. terrible. Well, we're and either the, we're either the help or the, or the side hoe. That's the help just, or, yeah, the help or the hoe. That's exactly. literally what we are in media, not in real life, mm-hmm. but in media. So, and that's why I said, I wonder where he got that from. And it's you know, uh, exactly, exactly. And it's ridiculous to think that black women are so different because of this, that, and the next. And maybe we're different because, of, you know, we carry around a lot of battle wounds, a lot of scars for the way we've been treated in society. Absolutely, those things can jade someone and that that type of treatment hurts and it takes mm-hmm. its toll. But in terms of us not being lovable, not being, you know, um, worthy of protection, not having feelings, literally of us being more than just sexual objects, like, yes, mm. we are we are far more than all those things. But unfortunately, it's just not, what certain people will see just like that movie that we saw something new um, yeah. when someone says he's just like you know well i prefer this and the guy's like your preference is to be prejudiced yeah and that's all i have to say i'm just like you can either look beyond and look at a person or you can look at what you see mm-hmm. look at what you think that is a perfect way to end this and when i say end it ends this episode but again this hopefully opens up people's mind to Think about things a little bit differently. Next time you see a black woman, observe what you're thinking right away. Because it happens so quickly, right? Mm -hmm. Observe what you're thinking. If you're a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. And challenge your thinking. If it's anything that we have said. If if there's anything that we've said that you do. Mm -hmm. This is not about us saying, shame on you. This Mm -hmm. is us bringing light to are very real experiences. And I'm very much looking forward to diving in even deeper because if you guys think that we have even scratched the surface when it comes to, you know, the black experience, specifically black women, and of course, black women in dating, oh my gosh, we have so much more to talk about. So mm-hmm. Channer, thank you again for coming on. and Absolutely. Sharing. I know that this is not easy, but you and I have done a lot of work individually and it's helped us because as you know like this is the first time that we're saying this this will be the first time a lot of our friends are hearing it quite frankly Mm -hmm. um but i appreciate as much as i know you put in the work to be able to get to a place where you can share this i still appreciate you sharing this because this is very personal this is very vulnerable Mm -hmm. this is not easy Mm -hmm. um and it can be very triggering right because this is our this is your real life and this is my real life so thanks Mm -hmm. 
Um, no problem. As always, if anyone has any questions, as I've said, for either my sister or myself, please submit them via the voice messages. Um, and if it's not questions, if it's feedback, similar experiences, we're, we're here to listen. So definitely submit those via the voice message section and just specify if you want them played on the show or not. Um, you can also submit them to me via DM on my Instagram, which is at the Fab Collective. And on Twitter, it is at Fab Channer. Chandler, if you want to share your Instagram with the audience, go ahead. C squared 416 on Instagram. Yes, and you should give it a follow because she's a delight. I'll include (laughs) all of this in the show notes as well. As always, we love your support. Wow. So don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast and share with friends and family. Thank you again, Channer. Um, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Of course, babe. Uh, thank you to, to everyone for tuning in to, t- um, to today's episode. As we said, we're not done yet. The, con- the discussion continues and we hope that you will join us in future, future discussions. We glad you, we're glad that you, uh, joined us today. So thank you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, Bye. guys.